pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 262. Today I'm going to chat with Lefty from Talking Lead, discuss some good news on the 80% court case, highlight the new 509cc Edge from FN, and talk about a family feud that you won't believe. I am your host, Ava Flannell, and Lefty, how are you doing today? Hey, Ava. I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me in on your show. Yeah, it's, of course. It's an honor. It's absolutely an honor. You should actually, funny. first of all, you should feel like it's a major honor because I actually have my video on, which I'm a little salty about because my life is a disaster <laughs> right now. And you made me go put on clothes because you're like, I'm not recording until you put, well, until you put your, your video on. I was like, clothes are optional. So <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, no, dude, I've literally like, I woke up and I'm still in my PJs. But here I but am. But hey, I got to see your peaches too. So that was awesome. That's true. And guys, peaches. <laughs> <laughs> peaches is my dog. Remember that? But yeah, you did get to see peaches. Cute little puppy. She is. She's so cute. But she is definitely turning into a little chihuahua, which of course she is. But I don't like little barky, mean chihuahuas. And occasionally it's like her little chihuahua blood kicks in and that's what she turns into that's their nature that's what they do i they're, know they're yappers they're yappers well i missed not- my big sweetie i had a great day oh actually i had two great days and uh, i missed the hell out of them but man you get so attached to your i know to your animals I mean, they're just closer than any family member i know and when they pass man it's tough i couldn't agree more because i had my dog tickles and she passed away in january and I was devastated. Like, I felt like I lost a child. Like, I honestly, like, I couldn't do anything for like a week. And it it's was been right. Like two years and I'm still, I still miss. I His know. Name is I well, I even like look at things that like Peaches does and it reminds me of Tickles and I don't know. And I even told myself, I was like, I'm not getting another dog. Like the heartache is just, it's way too much. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then sure enough, I'm at Home Depot and there's some people selling chihuahuas and I'm like, okay, shut up <laughs> and take my room. money. Yeah. Stinking parking lot animal shelters. I hate them. I know. Yeah. I ended up. I've done good. I've fought the urge uh, for a while now. So I think, Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess when you're ready, you're ready. But I do think there's so many animals out there that need good homes and they really do just, I think they make life so much better. Like there's times yeah, where a, I'm so stressed out. Yeah. And there's oh, times yeah. where I'm like so stressed out, but then I just take a break and I start cuddling her and I'm like, oh, Peach is my little baby. And you know. Probably yeah. why I've been an asshole the past. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> See, so maybe after this show, you need to go to the Humane Society and, you know, Standard pick up. Big sweetie. Yeah, exactly. I All right. It. Before we get into things, I'm going to talk about Smith and Wesson. You mentioned you're in Tennessee, which yeah. Smith & Wesson has their new MMP 15 Volunteer Series. And the Volunteer Series is named for their new headquarters in Tennessee, which is called the Volunteer right. State. Did you know that? Uh, I kind of did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I figured if nothing else, I could teach you a little bit, you know, the, something about your state. <laughs> if you if you follow college football, you know, the, the uh, University of Tennessee Volunteers, because okay. we are the volunteer state. Interesting. Yeah. So I obviously don't follow college. Back football. to the uh, <laughs> uh, 
you know, the revolutionary civil war, the revolution, the civil war, you know, we were, uh, we had the most volunteers from our state, which is how we got the name. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Okay, cool. Wanted to fight them damn Yankees. Right. That got us. You know, it's so funny. We mentioned, we're talking about our dogs and peaches ended up finding this little ball under probably one of the couches or something. So she's been playing with it all morning and she keeps picking it up and dropping it. And I'm like, I bet you the audio is picking that up. Because <laughs> she wants to play. She does. And it's the cutest thing ever. But back to the volunteer series. So the volunteer series is named obviously from their headquarters in Tennessee. And it has a bunch of different options to choose from, like the BCM Gunfighter Forens, the B5 Grips, which seem to be on a lot of ARs now, along with their stocks. They also have a decked out DMR version with a 20-inch barrel, the B5 Soap Mod stock, and a 15-inch free-floated aluminum M-Lock Forend. They even have a California version for those who aren't in the free state. Mm. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, we got it. We got We have to make it available for them because they... They're getting a raw deal. There. Absolutely. I agree. Kudos to the companies that are catering to the people in California. Yeah, like definitely. MSRP in these ranges anywhere from $1,049 to $1,599, depending on the version. If you guys want to check out more about the volunteer series, head on over to smith-wesson.com. You know, there's a, uh, a nuclear submarine named after Tennessee also. Oh, Dang, look at that. I'm just getting all kinds of knowledge today. USS Tennessee. Yeah. Cool. I had I had one of their submarine officers on the show last episode. Nice. Very cool. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. Let's talk about the things that you do. You have your own podcast called Talking Lead. But before we get into that, give me a little bit about your background and how did you even get into this industry? Well, probably like most people, you know, I just kind of stumbled into it. So uh, Talking Lead is the podcast. Uh, this is our 10th year. We're celebrating our 10th year of Talking Lead this year. Wow. We were probably one of the first, if not the first, firearms-related uh, podcast. Uh, I'm sure there are probably some before us, but back in 2012, we kicked it off and it was a, a buddy of mine and me that started it originally, Zeke. Mm-hmm. And um, I was in real estate at the time. He was managing three Mexican radio stations here in the, the Nashville area. And um, he was married. I was single. And his wife at the time was completely anti-gun. And he wasn't allowed to you know, have one in the house or anything like that. So he would live vicariously through me and we would be on the phone for hours at a time talking about firearms. And, you know, we had other things in common, too. We, uh, you know, we were into the Marvel comic books and movies and hmm. um, exercising, working out triathlons, you know, things like that. So, you know, we would be on the phone for hours at a time just talking, you know, like a couple of couple of girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So one day, you know, we're like, man, we've been on the phone for like three hours. This is ridiculous. And he's like, yeah, I know, man, we should do something. You know, let's start our own business. So we got to talking and toss around ideas on businesses. We were talking about opening a bar, opening a distributorship, opening a gym. And then, you know, at the time, podcasts were rarely known. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a podcast was. And he goes, why don't we do a podcast? 
I'm like, okay, what the hell's a podcast? He's like, man, we just do what we've been doing the past like six months. When we talk on the phone, we just record it. I was like, nobody's going to listen to what we have to say, dude. He goes, no, trust me. He said, it'll be fun. He said, and I've got everything we need because I'm managing these Mexican radio stations here in the Nashville area. And then after hours, we can come in and we can do this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool. So uh, we did our first episode. It was, uh, I think it was December the 5th or something like that. I can't remember exactly the the date. 2012, right before the new town happened. Mm -hmm. She happened and um our first episode went out and then that shooting happened and we're like all right we're never gonna have another (laughs) podcast again after all this but that just kind of strengthened the need and our resolve to to do it and talk about it and focus on responsibility and training and uh you know the positive aspects of firearms ownership and that's kind of what has driven uh, the show ever since then Wow. And it's always been called talking lead, correct? Always been called talking lead. At the time, uh, the walking dead was kind of new. Yeah. And out. Oh, and nice. We were big fans of the walking dead. And as we're tossing around names, he was saying some stuff and throwing some stuff. I like, shut up for a second. I said, I got something clicking in my head. I was like, shut up. And I said, how about talking lead? That's pretty genius. I didn't even actually big... put two and two together, but that's, that's. Actually oh yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of how that started. Nice. That's how we got the name and it, yeah, we stuck with it ever since. And now you're up to 450 episodes, correct? Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. What? I think I've misnumbered somewhere along the line. I mean, we've probably got more than that, but yeah, 450 is what <laughs> we're going with. Well, so, cause I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, you're right. It probably is more than that because I think I've had my podcast for five years and if you've been doing this for 10, so you're probably a little bit more. Than so that. in the beginning, you know, this was, is a hobby mm-hmm. and we did in our spare time. We both had other careers and then like two years into it, he actually, uh, we parted ways. He went his own way and I had to make a decision whether I wanted to keep the podcast going or not. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I could probably do this on my own. And, uh, he was, I was kind of, kind of like you do right now, <laughs> as you were telling me, you just kind of show up and you do the show and all the back end stuff was done by somebody else. You know, he was doing all the back end stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize how much work went into actually mm-hmm. producing a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I had a little learning curve there, but I got through it and, and figured it out. And, um, I actually two years ago, uh, I started doing this full time. I retired my real estate license and took on doing this full time. So it was a part-time gig. We would do, you know, we would try to get one a week out. And you know, that's kind of what I stick to now is, is cranking out one a week. But when, when, when I go to events, like, you know, we went to gun fest or if we got a shot show or something like that, then I usually crank out more, you know, I might get two or three a week. It just depends on the content that we get and, and whatnot. But nice. Yeah. What was it like when you guys split ways and you're like, okay, I have to do this on my own now. Was it sort of terrifying? Uh, once I got into, yeah, figuring out all the the audio, the the editing, the software, the website hosting, the mm-hmm. you know, all the data hosting and all that, yeah, it was it was overwhelming at first, and yeah, I I'm not gonna lie, I mean, the show suffered there for a while because of the learning curve because I was doing everything, mm-hmm. but I was determined to do it. And I did learn it and I, I did it. And 
from then to now, I mean, there's a noticeable difference in, in the quality of the show. Yeah. And I kind of changed directions of the show too, where, uh, you know, a lot of people will limit their show. It's like, it's, you know, it's only gonna be 30 minutes, it's only gonna be an hour or anything like that. I don't limit my show mm -hmm. because as long as the conversation's flowing and information's coming out and we're having a good time during the show, I'll let it run. So I don't think I've had in the past two or three years, a show that's been less than an, an hour. Mm -hmm. They're typically two to three hours. Wow. Um, of content. And of course, you know, editing, it's a, it can be a nightmare, but, uh, I pretty much just let them free flow yeah. and you know, what, what's out there. And I'll let the people know as we're interviewing, um, unless there's something specifically you want to edit out, you know, I'm going to let this run. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. Makes it a lot easier on me. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. <laughs> Primary Arms has a big end of summer sale going on right now. So everything's on sale from guns, parts, optics, ammo, all kinds of gear, including footwear. Shooting mats are only $25. Windowed PMAGs for only $13.99. Tannerite targets for only $3.82. And a ton of other things, which the Tannerite targets actually sound like a lot of fun. Who doesn't like Tannerite? Still Tannerite or Binary? Or is it? Because Tannerite was like a brand name kind yeah. of deal. I'm assuming Tannerite targets. Could be. I haven't seen Tannerite in a while. Most of them are just binary targets, but I love primary arms. I got a couple of optics from them here recently that I'm uh, testing out specifically oh, for the 7.62 by 3.9 round. Yeah. I love their optics. Like I have most majority of their optics are on my guns. And I think that, I mean, they're great. Like they've really stepped up their game with the quality. The cost is still, you know, super competitive to a lot of the other optics oh, yeah. companies out there. And, you know, and the I'm quality like, versus the price, you can't beat them. Yeah, definitely. I know you yeah. really can't. I'm yeah. trying out this GLX 2X Prism. Yeah, that's what I have. I have that. Yeah, it's got the, uh, the ACS mm -hmm. um, optic. I love that optic. And I've got their one to six that's got the, uh, the Chevron. You know, the, the, mm -hmm. the little point thing. I yeah. love that. I love that reticle. Yeah. That yeah. Too. So I've been trying those out probably for the last three months. I'm actually going to take one of them out hunting this season, deer hunting and, uh, and test it out. See oh, how nice. It nice. Very cool. Well, if you guys want to check any of their stuff that they have on sale or any of their optics, head on over to primaryarms.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY for a free Expo Arms stopping device when you buy an Expo Arms Combat Series 5.56 barrel. Sweet. Yeah. A little bonus. I know. Love. I know. I love bonuses. Is hunting something that you do pretty often? Yeah. Yeah. I've um, pretty much all my life. Hunted. And what do you typically go hunting for? Uh, well, the big one's deer. Love uh -huh. deer hunting, turkey, bird hunting. Do that occasionally, like that. And then uh, I love going. And you can't really call it hunting, but when you go shoot hogs, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they call it hog hunting, but it's really not hunting. You're just massacring hogs. Yeah, you know? especially when you go out to Texas. Yeah, I was it's just going to ask you where you typically do that because I. Uh, I just had uh, Jim Gillil Gilliland 
visiting and he's a federal ambassador. And I was telling him, I'm like, I'm like, I want to shoot deer. I think, you know, cause it's to date. The only thing that I've shot is an alligator. And so I would like to shoot a deer and learn the whole process from start to finish. But I think the next thing that I'd like to do is hogs. And oh yeah, it's fun. You'll enjoy that. Especially if you go on a night hunt and you're using thermals. Yeah. That sounds so much fun. So fun. Yeah. You usually go in Texas or are there any other places? Cause I think like Florida has them and really, I mean, a lot of, the yeah, there's South a States. lot of play and they're, you know, they're becoming more and more evasive. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they come in and destroy people's crops and fields and uh, just environmental habitats. Yeah. So, and in Tennessee, they're getting, getting worse and worse, but we don't have an actual, you know, like in Texas, you can go anytime. You don't need a license. You can just go and you just blast hogs uh-huh. and it's fine. In Tennessee, I think there's actually still a, like a season, but I don't see a lot in the areas that I go. I've got a farm that's nearby that I do a lot of my hunting and shooting at. And, um, I've never, never seen a hog there. So hmm. I like going, you know, traveling. It's fun and, and, uh, hunting with some of my friends in some of these other states. So yeah, yeah. it's a good time. Go on some of these veteran hunts too with organizations like Sheepdog Impact Assistance and, you know, hunting with some of our disabled veterans is nice. a good time too. Yeah, that sounds like fun. We just recently saw each other in Sturgis. I guess it's been a month now. It's not been a month. It has. Like, has it been a month? It has, has it yeah. Month? It has, I know. The time flies, especially like, have you noticed the older you get, the like the faster time goes? I'm trying to slow it down. You know, I was, um, out in my car earlier today and, you know, I I heard somebody say, you know, I'll make some time for you. And I was like, you you can't make time. Yeah. Time is what it is. And it's, it's what you do with your time is, is what matters, but you know, you can't make time. Yeah. You can allot time, but you can't make it. Totally. You road tripped to Sturgis and I'm assuming from Tennessee, right? You had the camper and everything you had the whole nice like a nice setup we had the uh, griswold christmas vacation uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rv it was it was awesome um the dudes from caltech you know they drove up from um coco florida mm-hmm. they rented this big rv and they were documenting their trip and um i was in tennessee it was on their way so they're like, hey, why don't we just come pick you up instead of you flying out there and you can, you know, ride with us and do the the whole thing. So I was like, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. So they swung by, scooped me up in Tennessee, and then we drove to to Sturgis. It was it was an ordeal. We actually uh, did a podcast on it a couple episodes ago. I had the our traveling crew and we talked about it on the podcast. Nice. So and was this your first time in Sturgis? This was my first time in Sturgis. Yes, that is correct. And then bike week, my first experience with bike week. Yeah. And what were your thoughts on it? Um, so Gunfest aside, just bike week itself is, you know, there are no words to explain the, and it's not chaotic because you would think it would be chaotic. Yeah. To have that many people, you know, there's probably a million people there during this, this bike week. Mm-hmm. And just everybody getting along and, you know, there's, there's hundreds of thousands of motorcycles on the road. And I don't, I don't think I ever experienced any like traffic jams or, you know, anything like that. I only saw one accident 
the whole time and having that many people, that many diverse people together in, you know, such a small area, I didn't really see any altercations mm-hmm. or anything like that either. I know. Uh, I actually, I got to say, I was expecting a little bit like crazier. Yeah. Uh, I was expecting to see way more boobs. I mean, I saw some boobs, you know, I mean, there was people, there was like, women. there were some boobs. Yeah, yeah. There was, there was women on the back of bikes, you know, topless and, or like wearing the pasties or like had, you know, their entire chest like painted, which I always thought was kind of cool, but I expected to see like, just, just crazier things. And yeah, everything I've heard about Sturtis, you're exactly right. That's what I was expecting. I was expecting just, just like a, like fights uh, breaking spring out. Break. Yeah. Like spring break. But for adults. Except- Except on a ma- a more massive scale, yeah, and with meaner, nastier yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but everything was like really peaceful. I really liked. I said this before, but I really liked the camaraderie, and even just like being on, you know, just driving down the street, seeing all the bikes, seeing how they were, you know, all like really respectful of the road and stuff. And I was actually just, I don't know. I thought it was like a really nice event, and yeah, I was impressed with it. Is that your first time? It was, yeah. And I'm I'm really thankful, uh, Silencer Central, they sent me out there. So I'm thankful for them for bringing me out there and just letting me experience that. As far as Gunfest goes, I thought that was kind of a joke. I liked the concept of it. And if you guys aren't familiar with Gunfest, because this was their first year, and hopefully somebody takes it over next year and it's not the same people that did it because they, I thought they were a mess and extremely oh, organized. Go ahead and finish your thought and then I'll chime in. But um, if you guys aren't familiar with what Gunfest was, it was over by uh, Buffalo Chip. Yeah. So Buffalo Chip, which is a camping ground um, across the street from like where all the camping ground and bikini bar and uh, the concert thing was, there was a range set up and that's where Gunfest was taking place. And so people who were there during the day camping, you know, I mean, obviously, if there's activities for them to partake in during the day, it's, I mean, it's kind of a win-win for everyone, but they didn't really advertise it well. So there wasn't a lot of people that were coming over to try out the guns. I thought the ammo was extremely expensive and like they were just, the people that put it on were just completely taking advantage of the situation. I think they were selling like 80 rounds for $50. And I just felt like it wasn't a good look for anyone, especially like the a gun buck industry. 40. Dollar forty per round. Yeah, like and it didn't even matter what the caliber was, so you'd be paying that for like nine millimeter. Yeah, which I'm like, are you kidding me? It was twenty two. Yeah, exactly. It was. I mean, it was pretty ridiculous. But so, like I said, I liked the concept. I hope that maybe you know another company takes it over next year, and not that same company, the people that put it on, and they charged. I really feel bad for the vendors because they charge the vendors like a ridiculous price too to even set this whole thing up and for them to have a place in it. But ultimately it was nice because I ran into you. I got to see a lot of my friends from other companies and it was still a lot of fun. Yeah. So here's, here, can I give you my take on it? Absolutely. And we talk about this a little bit in that, that episode that I was telling you about where we talk about the road trip. So the concept in and of itself, I think is amazing. And I think this event has the potential to be one of the premier outdoor range events in our industry. Mm -hmm. But again, like you said, it was their first year. Uh, The organizers, uh, you know, I think because they're used to doing other events, they're not used to doing a firearms related event. This is their first firearms related event. So 
I think they were trying to treat it like one of their music events, mm-hmm. like one of their concerts. And I think, you know, for their initial starting, you know, I think it was fine for what it was. Again, it was very under advertised, but again, they only had like what two, three months to to get it going. Yeah. But I didn't see any advertisements at all. I feel so bad for the company that's actually paid for this because the only advertisement that I saw was like a small little sign on the main road to show like where Gunfest was. Supposedly they were advertising on radio stations and actually the Buffalo chip was supposed to have, you know, helped out and Uh done some pushing promoting and, you know, with, with their, what they do with, with Sturgis and all the concerts and things that they have. Mm -hmm. Again, you know, we we saw the disorganization between Gunfest and and the Buffalo Chip people. Yeah, there was miscommunication there. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't don't deny that whatsoever. But I think if they listened to the feedback from the vendors that were there, the people that attended it, you and me, did you get that questionnaire? Did they send you a questionnaire? No. Okay, so I got a questionnaire from them, and you know they're honestly wanting to improve it. You know, they want to improve upon where they, they messed up. Mm-hmm. It can be improved upon. And I think they, I think they're, they're fine to do it. I don't know that anybody else needs to take it over or not. As long as that they listen to the input that they're getting from everybody. Yeah. But I don't know. yeah, they, they the seem stage to... and set up and everything they had there, I thought it was fantastic. The concept that they had. Yeah. It just, Although it was just poorly executed. The podcast booth was a little bit of a joke. Well, yeah, that it was was right next to the main speaker where there's music blasting. It wasn't enclosed. It's on the range. (laughs) It was organized by people who who haven't done a range day event before. Yeah. So, you know, I get that next year, if they do it again next year, you know, I'm sure all that'll be accommodated and and improved upon. Mm -hmm. Um, Hopefully. Cause I did like like you said, charging somebody to come to a range day was ridiculous. They shouldn't charge people to shoot the guns. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't let their own range officers dictate the manipulation and shooting of the guns by the people that are shooting. They should have the people who know and are familiar with the firearms down there loading them. Yeah. You know, talking to the people that are shooting them. Because it, it's, you know, it's a sales event. It, the the people that are there, the companies that come there, are there to highlight and show their their guns and ultimately sell them. And I thought, well, a concept that I thought was really cool was that they had the gun broker people there. So if somebody wanted to buy one, they could immediately go and buy one from from gun broker, mm-hmm. you know, through the, the legal means. Yeah. Send it to FFL, doing background checks and all that, which I haven't really seen that anywhere before. Yeah. Well, I thought that was a really cool component that, you know, you get them while they're hot. You know, these people are shooting these things. Like, I love this gun. You know, I'm going to buy some when I get home. Well, why do that? You can do it right here. Let me escort you over here and voila. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually a a nice concept. I agree. You got to have people there in order to do that. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, yeah. So, um, yeah, more advertising and, you know, and the, the concept of getting it out there and letting people know about it. I know it left a lot of, it left a bad taste in several, I'm going to say a lot, but several of the manufacturers that showed up there, the gun companies that showed up there, but, you know, I hope they'll give it another opportunity and give them a chance to, you know, to fix it and make it better because it, it is so beautiful out there and you've got your core audience Mm -hmm. with the biker people, you know, they're all America freedom loving to a 
uh, most of them advocates, yeah. you know, and you've got your crowd right there. You just got to reach them. Yeah, and absolutely. Getting well, the word out is, is primo, is primo. Totally. In fact, speaking of getting the word out, we took the general from Silencer Central and well, we had uh Tori from Silencer Central driving it around. We had Jeremy up, from Lori? IWI and uh, we were passing out, you know, hats and koozies and patches and stuff, trying to get people to stop by and see us the next day. And that was a lot of fun. We also realized that you can't throw it all. So I'm really glad that you have a career in the <laughs> podcast industry and not like, you know. Hey, I actually had a scholarship, uh, a baseball, baseball scholarship. <laughs> yeah, I was a catcher. So I okay. can throw. I can throw. <laughs> I, don't I just know. can't toss. Yeah. <laughs> But that was pretty fun. And that was a good time, you know, and that was us doing our part in, you know, trying to make up for their lack of, yeah, of advertising. Uh, because most people that showed up was like, hey, I would never seen this if I didn't see that sign out there yeah. or, you know, something along those lines. Such and such came over and was shooting and told me about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think between the word of mouth and, you know, them getting on the advertising a little sooner, coming on our podcast and getting the word out. Um, mm -hmm. you know, doing things like that, talking about it, how they're going to improve it, you know, earnestly showing that, you know, they, they want to continue it and they want to improve it and they're going to listen to and follow through with the feedback that they get. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. I'm going to take but a quick, yeah, it was ignore. It was exorbitantly expensive. What I heard, what, you know, these vendors were paying and they paid for the ammo too. Did you know oh, that? Oh, I know they paid for the ammo. Actually, they paid the for the ammo, paid. then the ammo is donated, and then on top of that, they sold it. Yeah, and they were they were trying to make another. Yeah, I was like, you. all right, it just gets to a point where it's like it's just greediness, and yeah, and that's what it came across as. Yeah, and again, I think it's just their inexperience in how they do other events. Mm -hmm. um, is how that came through. Yeah, I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis. Do you have any experience with Mantis? Uh, that sounds familiar. Tell me the, what it is. The dry firing system. In most cases, you probably are familiar with like the X10. You put the device on your handgun and you can dry fire it, or you could actually bring it to the range and actually live fire the gun. And it still documents exactly like what you're doing, the movement before, during, and after you take that shot. And it tells you what you're doing wrong. And it's just, I mean, in my opinion, I've I heard of similar type things. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So it's like a game changer, but they also have one for the AR and it's called the Mantis Blackbeard. And it's a drop in bolt carrier in a magazine to use with your existing trigger. And it automatically resets after each trigger pull, which is powered by a battery in the magazine. And it lets you fire up to 10 dry fire shots a second. The bolt carrier also inc incorporates like a laser. So you can, you know, you can see exactly where your shots are. The laser comes in red, green, or infrared. And depending on what color you pick out, that influences the price. So these versions run anywhere from $200 to $250. But honestly, with the current price of 5.56, I mean, this pretty much pays for itself within a few practices. Even if it was at its normal price, I mean, that's still. Yeah, you know. absolutely. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to amantisx.com. You also mentioned on your podcast that you have, what is it? The AK corner. Yeah. So the, the AK corner is a, it's kind of a spinoff of talking lead, but it's still talking lead. 
but several years ago, I wanted to learn more about the AK-47. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really had a whole lot of experience with it. I was an AR guy, you know, AR till I die kind of deal. Yeah. Screw the commie AK-47. With, you know. <laughs> yeah. Who, who needs that? I'm not going to push and promote that. But uh, as I met more and more people in the industry and some of my friends that uh, were shooting the AK, I was like, you know, this, this gun gets a, a bad rap. This is actually a, a solid rifle. And uh, I wanted to learn more about it. And I thought, what better way to do it than to bring my listeners along on my journey. And so I started this whole separate once a month show called the Talking Late AK Corner. And we get um, experts and competition shooters and designers and manufacturers on the show to talk about different uh, AK-47s from around the world. Hmm, That's really cool. And Eastern Bloc. We don't just stick with AK-47s, but mainly, but we talk about other Eastern Bloc kind of guns too. Very cool. Yeah, I think AKs is definitely one of those things that's becoming pretty popular within the gun industry, especially in the last couple of oh, years. It's, it's exploded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually just took a AK class maybe three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago now, with Clint Smith at Thunder Ranch, and it was put on by Century you thank Arms. Me for that. I can thank you. you can thank me for that. Why? Because yeah. I didn't go. Oh, so you're saying I took your spot. You you got my spot. Okay, it's debatable because there was a few other people that were supposed to go, like Grand Thumb, and unfortunately he couldn't go last minute. And he then- wasn't supposed to go. And then I got the call, and I was like, "I'm just getting back from Sturgis. I'm not going." So, <laughs> That's funny. Whereas I'm just like, "Well, I just got back from Sturgis," but uh, you're like, "Hell yeah!" Which I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a lot of fun. Have you? I'm old, Ava. <laughs> I know you don't bounce back as quick as some I of us, you know. Not like a rubber band. So, how was that? It was so much fun. Have you ever trained with Clint Smith before? I haven't. Uh, no. So, I I'll be honest. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect, and given the fact that he's like in his 70s, I'm like, oh, is this going to be like really old forms of training where I'm just like, okay, you know. But I really liked him. I thought everything that he taught was like pretty spot on. I'm actually, I'm going to have him on uh, as a guest on the show here in the next uh, probably two episodes. Nice. And yeah. And and then the guns. Health of knowledge right there, you know, years Don't. and years of experience. And, yeah. You know, that's one of my regrets is not going. Uh, but I'm glad you got to go and you got to train with my buddy, Andrew, too. Yeah. True. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Andrew's a great guy, but I also was really impressed with a Sentry arms and how well the guns ran because Sentry arms, depending on the model. And I guess also depending on the years that they were built. But when I first got into the industry, some of the models were definitely better than others. And so I was just like, okay, well, this will be interesting to see how the AKs run and we're really putting them through the test and putting a lot of rounds through it. And I got to say, like, there was not one malfunction, which is Pretty incredible to say. They're, they really improved over the years. You know, it's like anything. Once you start doing something, you know, your first couple of attempts at it, you know, you're going to need some improvement because yeah. you're not going to inhale everything. Yeah. And especially on a platform like the AK-47, that's traditionally, uh, you know, it's been imported, been imported to America. And there were no American manufacturers mm-hmm. of the AK-47. But what we're seeing now as the popularity has increased, you're seeing more and more manufacturers they're getting into the, the AK rifle and the, you know, the parts, the components, fewer and fewer and fewer of those are, are, you know, imports are not needed. Yeah. So companies like Century Arms, companies like Occam Defense Solutions, like Rifle Dynamics, like Arsenal, you know, more and more 
of the components and everything are being made in America now. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that's driving the popularity and the ability for the AK, where in the past you couldn't, you know, you think of an AR and all the different uh, accessories and, you know, the, the ways you can configure it, the mm-hmm. configurability, you know, they figured that out now. And with rail systems and hand guards and, you know, all this, people are, are more able to customize it to their own, their own needs or own likes like an AR. Yeah. I think that's that's added to the desirability of the AK yep. rifle. Well, yep, I couldn't agree more. All right, wrapping up. So, do you have any future plans that you can share with listeners, other than not going to classes that you were supposed to, and then maybe I take your spot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot. You know, there's a lot of things coming up. You know, you're talking about the AK. There's there's all these new events that are popping up around the country, and some that have been going on for for a few years now, like. Uh, Red October mm-hmm. and Kalash Bash and Kalash Tober and um, you know there's there's several other ones uh, around the country and uh, they're really cool events and if you know you see one near you you're able to go to one of those events they're completely different than going to like a three gun or an AR uh, you know type competition because the the people that attend those are diehard rabid you know proponents of that rifle that platform those type those yeah. type firearms. And it's more like, you've ever been to like a comic con or anything like that mm-hmm. dress up and, you know, people dress up for these events and it's, they're really cool. They're fun. So I highly encourage uh, your listeners. If any of them are, are in any of those areas, there's Texas, they're out in Nevada, they're up in, I think Massachusetts um, or New Hampshire, mm-hmm. go, go attend one of those events. Uh, if you've never been to one. They're fun and they're welcoming. You know, this is like the gun community. The gun community is so welcoming and encouraging to new people. Uh, don't be afraid to to go to one and just ask questions and get involved. Yeah, absolutely. What are your next events that you're attending? Uh, I've got, I've actually got a class coming up at Gunsight in Nevada at the end of, is it the end of this month? No, November. I think it's the end of November. The Iraq vet thing is coming up. Mm-hmm. There's, um, of course, the Red October, Clash Bash, all those. I'm going to try to go to as many of those as I can. But other than that, I mean, I just, I kind of fly by the seat of my pants. I know, right? Welcome to my world lately. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a planner and now I'm just like, meh, who needs plans? We could just, you know, just feel like I'm winging There's everything. plenty going life. on. We yeah. just fill in the gaps as we go. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. This has been fun. Yeah. Well, get, I mean, you're not done yet. You're going to stay with oh. me for the rest of the show. I thought you said to wrap it up. Okay. I'm no. Sorry. Well, I meant like to wrap up your section and oh, then, okay. and I was just going to end it by asking, you know, where listeners can go to follow your podcast. Where just they can Google find talking lead. Okay. Yeah. Just Google talking lead. We come up, come up everywhere at talking lead on the socials, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. I don't do like TikTok or any of those i'm too old to i don't know back. i've seen your dance moves i think you have a chance at tiktok <laughs> <laughs> only when there's alcohol involved oh, right uh, welcome to my world oh, and i owe you a, <laughs> I owe you a beer by the way thank you for that that beer yeah the of lining googles is that what it was we had a lining googles yeah yep it which seemed i mean it just seemed like it was you know it was great for it was that sturgis it was hot i needed something refreshing so, awesome. you know, we spot. didn't even talk about the concerts at Sturgis. Did you go to any of the concerts? Um, so let's see, what did I do? 
yeah, the well, that first night that I bought you the beer, I was there for that. And then maybe I was there for the second night. I don't know. But one of the days I decided that I didn't have much planned and Silencer Central got me a rental car, which is funny. It was like a grandma car and the brakes were all like messed up because, you know, people, they abuse rental cars. I think this oh, thing yeah. had like 50,000 miles on it, which isn't a lot, but for a rental car, it is. So you'd hit the brakes and it was like, you know, and yeah. it was really hard to accelerate and stuff. But I had some time, didn't have anybody to go with me. And but I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go by myself and check should out. I should have. Right. I don't know where you were, but I decided to check yeah. out Mount Rushmore because yeah. I'm like, who knows if I'll ever be in the state again. Mount Rushmore is just one of those, you know, pieces of history that I feel like you need to see. And it was like an hour and a half away. So decided or maybe it was an hour away, but decided to do the drive and it was a really pretty drive. And I ended up when I was there, I ended up, there was some guy who I asked him if he'd mind taking a picture of me when I was at Mount Rushmore. And he's like, yeah, sure. And it was like right before like where all the flags are and stuff. And mm-hmm. then when I got more closer to like, um, the actual statute, I was like looking at it, taking pictures and he came up to me again. He's like, oh, do you want me to take another picture? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then I started talking to him and he owns like a bunch of hotels in the US, but he's actually lives in Mexico and he had like dual citizenship. And then he uh, introduced me to his friends and all of his friends, none of them spoke English. Well, some of them a little bit, but he was the only one who was uh, bilingual. And they were after that, they were going to- a man. I know, but Being I'm sure, black, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure where the story is going, it sounds like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so they told me that they were going to be driving around Black Hills National Forest yeah. mm-hmm. and that there was buffaloes and stuff. And, and they were like, yeah, if you want to join us. And I mean, I had my gun on me and then I took a picture of the guy's business card and his driver's license and I sent it to yeah. my friend Tori. And I was like, hey, I know this sounds totally sketch, but I'm going to go for a bike ride with these people that I just met at Mount Rushmore. And here's the guy's information. And then so, yeah, I went and it actually was a lot of fun. Totally. You obviously survived. So. Yeah. And it was totally harmless. Even the guy, like it's not the guy's bike that I was riding on. He had like one of those seats where it actually had a back. So it's not even like I had to touch the guy. And like, mm-hmm. it was like, there's nothing romantic about it. Although I'm sure he thought otherwise. <laughs> he made his day. Yeah. Out. And then after that, I just like went back, but I, because of that, I missed the concert. And I think that was the third night and that was the concert that I wanted to see. And I'm trying to think who was even playing. Third night. Was it Rob Zombie? No. There was, um, oh, Leonard Skinner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. You missed a good one. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least I, at least I rode on a bike though. Cause how could you go to Sturgis and not ride on a bike? Well, yeah, and you know, we we trailered four bikes with us on that that seventy foot RV. So we had a you know on top of that, we had the trailer with the four bikes on it too, and we all took turns driving that thing. Uh, we had we had some adventures. So if you guys want to hear those adventures, you go listen to the uh, the podcast. Would so, you remember yeah. what episode it was? Uh, or what the like title two, is? It's something about Sturgis. Yeah. Okay. So it, right. it's easy to find. All right. Perfect. All right, guys. So yeah, head on over to, or just Google talking lead and give lefty here a follow on social media and uh, listen to this podcast. Love it. Y'all are welcome to come join us. (laughs) All right. Moving forward. Educating the uneducated since 2012. There you go. (laughs) 
one of the what is it the OGs of, of one the of podcast the OGs. Form. That's right. <laughs> OG. All right, moving forward with the rest of the show, Caldwell. If you guys are wanting to shoot long range, one of the things that you need to know is your muzzle velocity, obviously. Caldwell has several different chronographs to measure your muzzle velocity accurately, starting with the ballistic precision chronograph for $114, which can't really beat the price. It's plus or minus 0.25% accuracy, and you can connect it to a smartphone with a cable to collect your data. The premium version includes a tripod, carry bag, and power accessories for an extra $169. Then there is the Ballistic Precision G2 Chronograph, which is even better. It's inverted to be more immune to bright light distortion and comes with a more robust tripod and it's factory calibrated to ensure that the 0.25% accuracy. Definitely check this out. Yeah, exactly. So definitely check them out, caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Nice. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Today in politics, big preliminary to a win. And I don't know if you had a chance to look into this or read it, but last Friday, Firearms Policy Coalition achieved a partial victory in Vanderstock versus Garland, which is a challenge to the ATF's unconstitutional rule changes on frames and receivers on behalf of the manufacturer tactical machining. The judge in the case granted a partial limited injunction in the case challenging the new rules specifically regarding 80% receivers. It enjoins the ATF's new rules, but only for tactical machining. It does not grant an injunction for tactical machining's customers, other manufacturers, or retailers. In the ruling to grant the preliminary injunction, the judge ruled that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed in their challenge to the ATF's frame and receiver rule. There are quite a few key points from the judge's order that have some big implications for the case. The final rules redefinition of frame or receiver conflicts with the statute's plain meaning. The definition of firearm in the Gun Control Act does not cover all firearm parts. It covers specifically the frame or receiver of any such weapon that Congress defined as a firearm. And this is in the 18 U.S.C. 921A3B. That which may become a receiver is not itself a receiver. Congress could also include firearm parts that may readily be converted to frames or receivers, as it did with weapons that may readily be converted to fire projectile, but it omitted the language when talking about frames and receivers. When Congress includes particular language in one section of a statute but omits it in another section of the same act, it's generally presumed that Congress acts intentionally and purposely in the inclusion or exclusion. Everything they do is deliberate. I know, exactly. <laughs> they Cong- want to make a block of steel a firearm. Yeah. Congress excluded other objectives that ATF adds to its definition. So the final rule covers dissembled and non-functional frames and receivers. Congress's definition does not. Congress did not choose to cover non-functional frames or receivers. It's, it's a bunch of bullshit is what it is. And they, they are purposely vague 
on their wording and misleading on their wording so that. So hold on, let me just say this. Let me just say this last thing. And then the last thing is ATF's expansion in the 478.12C, on the other hand, covers additional parts that are designed to or may readily be completed, assembled, restored, or otherwise converted to function as a frame or receiver, 27 CFR 478.12C. But Congress intentionally omitted that language from the definition, section 47.2. 12C is thus factually unlawful because it describes only parts that Congress intentionally excluded from its definition of firearm. It's purely an expansion of authority beyond the statutory language. In a way, that is kind of a win for us, but I wouldn't say it's like a huge win. No, because they're still going to come after our guns no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. But it is kind of, I don't know, it is kind of interesting that they did this, but I don't know. Either way. This is obviously the bottom just line a, is they're coming after they're coming after the the home built guns the their ghost guns mm-hmm. what they call ghost guns so the three D printed uh, the eighty percenters yeah yeah did you That's see did you see what goal. polymer eighty is doing they're still selling the unserialized frames but there's a way around it like obviously with anything instead of selling them with the the jig and the tools and stuff like that like the drill bits. They're selling the frame as is, so it'll be a little bit more difficult, obviously, to do. But if you already have that jig or the tools, which you can buy in a kit, that kit, obviously, the frame will be serialized. But that kit, to my understanding, the jig and the kit can be used, I believe, three or more times or up to three times. There's still ways around it, which is so stupid. It's not even about keeping these out of the hands of criminals because they, they know that criminals are lazy and they're not going to go to the trouble to build their own, their own firearm. Mm-hmm. They know this. Yeah. The whole purpose of this is to, to ultimately disarm the American citizen. Mm-hmm. That, that is their ultimate goal. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And they're, they're going through all these little nitpicky subterranean paths to get there, which when you dig underground, what does it do? It collapses the surface. Yeah. So they're going after the structure of, you know, our gun laws, you know, the ammo, taxing the ammo now, doing background checks on the ammo. Oh, I know. I just actually dissuade or discourage people from from going out and exercising their Second Amendment rights. Yeah. I actually just taught somebody yesterday, a class who lives in California, and he was saying, you know, because obviously the ammo now has to be shipped to a dealer an FFL and that FFL, which is such bullshit because I feel like everybody should be working together, but that FFL is charging him 10 cents per round to do the background check. Isn't that ridiculous? So like whatever the cost of ammo is, add an additional 10 cents per round. Yeah. Everybody getting their greedy, grubby hands Mm -hmm. on it. Yeah, I know. And I'm like, that's just wrong. Like at one point, you know, and, and it's not, I don't know. I feel like the FFL should try to help out the people that need ammo. I mean, I get it. It's a business and everybody's there to make money, but they're cutting their own throats. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Stupid business sense right mm-hmm. there. Person's right. not going to be in business very long. Yeah. All right. Moving forward. Franklin Armory. Mm-hmm. 
Well, if you have the HK91, the 93, or the MP5, definitely check out the HKC1 binary trigger from Franklin Armory. I definitely need one for the Sentry Arms AP5 that I have, which I was told will fit and work well in it. Just like all the other binary triggers, it fires on the squeeze and then again on the release of the trigger. When you get the rhythm down, it shoots like so many rounds in seconds, which can be kind of dangerous, especially if, you know, you're short on ammo or, you know, ammo is still costly, but it's so much fun and I wouldn't have it any other way. The complete trigger runs $699.99, so it's kind of steep, but remember if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off, and again, that is franklinarmory.com. They are fun to shoot. Yeah, they're definitely a lot of fun to they're shoot. Blast. No Today's- pun intended. <laughs> Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is what have you heard about the ATF Brace Amnesty? This is the latest development with the hold on brace rule, which was supposed to be released in August. Now we're hearing it that it'll be out by the end of the year. And part of the plans were basically leaked because notes included in the budget justification from the ATF to the Office of Management and Budget was released. In the budget request, they included, due to upcoming amnesty registration of pistol brace weapons, photos of the weapon being registered will be required to prove the weapon does utilize a pistol brace in its configuration and would qualify for an amnesty registration. This request clearly shows that they're planning on a forced registration and asking for funding to implement the massive expansion of NFA items. They claimed that there's only about 4 million braces in use, which is hilarious because I'm pretty sure they've estimated that there's closer to about 40 million, so quite the difference. Their new e-form system, as it is, it can't keep up with the current form submitted in the promised like 90-day period, so it's certain that they won't keep up with the new quote-unquote 4 million new forms, let alone the 40 million but stay tuned. Uh, we'll be hearing a lot more, I'm sure, about this soon. IWI. Yeah, the brace thing's not going to go away. We're, they're going to, you know, it's a flip-flop. It's a fish. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to keep flip-flopping on it uh, until is- somebody actually takes it to court and we get some sort of a, a Supreme Court ruling on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which is like so stupid. I mean, just the whole concept of the brace and how it has to be regulated. I mean, a brace is not going to make you shoot faster, shoot better. I mean, the whole thing is just so we got to look at the, the original purpose, intention of the brace. Yeah. The original intention was for for disabled, otherly, you know, handicapped individuals so that they could enjoy their Second Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, like everything, it's going to have multiple uses and multiple purposes. And the firearms community has done that, which is fine. I mean, I have no problem. Again, you know, you got, you got to look at the the short barrel rifles. I think that's ridiculous that, you know, they have to be in a whole nother class by themselves. Yeah. And like you were saying, because it's, it's shorter, doesn't mean that you can shoot it faster or it's more deadly or, you know, and it's less concealable than an actual pistol. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's no additional $200 tax stamp or anything like that. You got to pay when you buy a pistol at, at this point in time. Yeah. But again, you know, it's these bureaucratic idiots that are there that 
are trying to, on the face, make it look like they're doing something. Mm -hmm. It's all knee jerk reaction. Well, if we do this, this sounds good. Let's throw this law in there. Well, they're putting laws on top of laws that already exist. And it's just conflating to people's confusion and frustration. And that's what we're getting with this pistol brace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. IWI. Are you familiar with the Galil since you're into AKs? Well, since IWI is one of my sponsors, yeah. Oh, are they? How <laughs> weird. They're one of my sponsors too. How about that? So, so what are your thoughts on the Galil? Uh, it's amazing. Absolutely love it. We actually did uh, an episode on the Galil. Um, I think it was last year, uh, AK Corner. Nice. We had Jeremy and uh, some of the other guys on and uh, we talked about the history of the Galil and the improvements that they have made on it and how it's evolved over the years. So uh, I think it's probably one of the, you know, top five rifles of all time. Mm -hmm. It's so nice. What caliber do you have? I like all calibers, but uh, you know, the seven, six, two, but three, nine, uh, 30 cal, you can't beat the 30 cal, but I like the, the thought of the five, five, six and, you know, the cost of the ammo, the availability of the ammo, mm -hmm. the, uh, the magazine convertibility from an AR to that, you know, you can just easily switch those. So yeah, it, you know, it's got, it's, it's got its pros. I like all guns. I like all calibers. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I mean, honestly, if I could, I would have a Galil in every one of the calibers because they offer it in the 762 by 39, 545 by 39, and then 556, and also in pistol or rifle versions. But I just think it's just such a nice gun. It's like a nice, like refined AK. And if 545 was cheaper and more readily available, yeah. That would be my my go. That's the one that I would definitely prefer over the others. But because it's not in this country, mm -hmm. um, the seven six two, the five five six are my go tos. Yeah, couldn't agree more. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to iwi.us. If you find any accessories in the web store, remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you fifteen percent off. Nice. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Tacti Talk. Did you see FN release the new 509cc Edge? Do tell. I haven't gotten my hands on one. I've only seen it online, but it's the new 509 pistol. It's another in the Edge series, which you can basically think of as like their high-end, totally decked out line. The previous Edge is a long slide competition model, but this one is fully featured subcompact. It's about the size of a Glock 26, so it's a little thicker than like your typical Micro 9, but it's far from like your standard subcompact. So one of the first things that you notice is the compensator has a really sleek looking compensator that matches well with the slide and the slide cuts with a gold titanium nitride barrel. I would say at first look, it kind of looks like a Gucci Glock to a degree. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you've seen it, but I mean, it definitely has like the Gucci. I'm looking at it right now. I mean, wouldn't you think it's, I mean, it's Gucci'd up. 
It has one of the highest performance compensator designs that's still small enough to carry, and they say that it reduces muzzle flip by 25%. Again, I have not gotten my hands on it or shot it, so I'm not sure, but you know, that's 25% is pretty significant. It also has a really slick attachment model so that you just push it on, rotate it 90 degrees to remove it from the locking lugs. (laughs) So -hmm. there's no like timing or shims or, you know, screws and super easy to clean. That does mean that it's not a standard thread pitch so that you can't use a suppressor or other comp, but obviously the whole idea of the gun is a flat shooting concealed carry gun. So, you know, you wouldn't have to change anything on it. The slide really sleek looking. It's in gray, I believe. And it has FN's low profile optic mounting system that ships with four mounting plates for your common red dot use. The controls are ambidextrous and they include a precision flat face trigger, polish the internals for performance. The grip features the FN's signature stippling on the sides and comes with a 12 and 15 round mag and they both have weighted aluminum base pads. Definitely seems nice. It's a definitely a premium pistol, though. MSRP. An FN, you know, it's going to be nice. FN they, make crap. They make, yeah, they definitely make some nice stuff. But I don't know, the, the MSRP kind of caught me off guard. But I guess for all the upgrades, I mean, it really isn't outlandish, but it's $1,569. It's, uh, <clears throat> it's definitely a little higher than, I mean, I, when I think like the FN, I, I bought... Let's see, what FNs do I own? I have a 509 um, that I think was like $500 at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I also bought, and I don't have it anymore, but it was their, oh man. Does that price tag come with the the red dot or no red dot with that? I don't think, no, I don't think that there is a red red dot dot because it comes with the four mounting plates. Yeah. I mean, look, I've got nothing against that. If you're in that price range, you can afford that. Yeah. Then you know, then go for it. It does. You seem know, I like in I like in firearms to to shoes. Yeah. You know, and everybody's got a different size shoe, and different brands are going to fit people differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always say I can't wear Nikes. Never been able to wear Nike shoes. They're not been comfortable on my feet. Mm-hmm. You know. So I nothing against Nike. You know, obviously, you know they're a huge brand, and millions and billions of people love them, and but they're not for me. Yeah. That's why there's variety in firearms as well. You know, that's why FN came out with this compact because maybe the Glock doesn't fit somebody else's hand the way, you know, they would like it or, mm-hmm. uh, the, you know, the Mete, the Canics, uh, another great firearm for the price. Yeah. Um, Canic Mete's, uh, the one that, that, got, that but, rival one is like rival really, is sick. Dude, yeah, I took that it out one is so day. nice. Have you shot yeah. it yet? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just like a dream like that for the price. But all theirs do. All the canics are the I don't price know. range and how they shoot the the canics are They're, by far, I think, the best value for the dollar. The original uh TP9, I mean, I thought it was very basic. It it wasn't mind blowing. It was like, okay, I mean, it works well. It seems But again, reliable. that's their first offering. You exactly. Know, they offer it, but they've yeah. improved upon it since then. Totally. And still the price range for what you get. Yeah. You look at that versus, you know, another brand firearm with the same features and it's half the price. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, but you're still getting the performance and the quality and the reliability. But again, if if you're a, maybe that canic doesn't fit your hand right. Mm -hmm. 
That's why FN has this. That's why Glock has this. That's why Ruger has this. That's why well, and Ethan FN, Wesson has this. I mean, FN, just like all these other manufacturers, they offer stuff that's a lot more affordable and then they have their higher end. And honestly, sure. if you look at all the upgrades, if you were to take it to a gun store and you're like, hey, you know, I want this and that added to it and, you know, the compensator, the slide cuts, basically as you, you know, as I say, like Gucci it up, I mean, all of that's going to come with a price and it's not going to be cheap. And so when you look at like what you would pay for all of those upgrades versus just going to the store and buying it already done and you know, it's going to work because the problem is, is sometimes you do these upgrades and you think it's going to be, you know, it's going to make the gun shoot better. And that's not always the case. And so it's I not mean, the gun, it's the shooter train, take that extra money and take yeah. a training course. Totally. Yeah. You know? Actually. Yeah. So the two guys that I was uh, training yesterday, so one guy was from California, the other one lives here in Colorado. They were both brothers and they were like in their late sixties and they were telling me about, you know, they take training classes wherever they go. And one guy was shooting a Springfield XD, which is like their basic model. I'm not a big fan of the XD. I think out of all their XD models, like just the basic XD is just kind of crap. But well, I mean, they're like a Nike to my hand. It doesn't fit my hand good. I don't like. But I also, for the longest time, I shot the XDM and I loved that gun. So, you know, they have different ones. But and then he was also showing me this other gun that he had. And he's like, yeah, I bought it on sale. It's not the greatest. But the thing is, is we were talking the fact that like maybe they don't spend a ton of money on their guns, like as long as it's reliable. But they spend Absolutely. a ton of money on training and sometimes buying the most expensive gun is not going to make you the best shooter. It's not like the most oh, cool, expensive you... gun, the most expensive kit yeah. and gear is not going to make you a better shooter. Training is the only thing Absolutely. that is going to make you a better shooter. And sometimes training with the worst is going to make you a better shooter as well, you know? Because then when you get behind something that's a little bit better, it's but you need to get amazing. what you can afford. Yeah. And instead of all these upgrades, thinking that it's going to make you a better shooter, take that money and find a good quality trainer and take some classes. Yeah. That's well, where you need to spend your money. My first gun was the Sig Mosquito, and that made me a better shooter because <laughs> I sure as hell know how to clear malfunctions like left and right. There you go. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You definitely so, don't want to take that into a gunfight. <laughs> no, absolutely not. All right. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment, Family Feud. This one was kind of crazy, although I don't think that this is so outlandish. Like, and I What's AF? How, What's AF mean? A Flanel segment. Oh, okay. AF. Yeah. Yeah, Ava Flanel AF. So... Gotcha. Families often have some pretty crazy and pretty like petty arguments over like the littlest things. But last week, a family in West Monroe, Louisiana, had a fight over cheese in a can, like basically cheese whiz. They didn't just argue about it either. It erupted into a full brawl when the 19-year-old sister allegedly struck them several times over the aerated cheese. Exactly how the fight started isn't really clear, but it apparently was over this cheese in a can after she reportedly have you ever had cheese whiz yeah it's not that great oh that's some good stuff you put that, <laughs> you put that on a club cracker, cracker Dude, shut up. you know it's like you know what i was I would really smack somebody if they took the last of the cheese whiz okay but have you ever had like a philly cheesesteak yeah 
Okay, oh, yeah. so you know that they use the cheese whiz, right? Oh, is that what they use? Yeah, like if you I actually they use Velveeta. No, I'm pretty sure it's actually like cheese, cheese whiz. whiz. Yeah, out of a can. And Even so better. I remember the first time I went to Philadelphia, and I was like, "Oh, I got to have like." There's those two places that are like right next to each other, and they're in competition with each other, and like you know they always claim like they make the best cheesesteak, and. Yeah. I was so taken back because, you know, if you go anywhere else, they use like the, you know, what is it like provolone or something or mozzarella? The real cheese. Yeah. And, real cheese. and so I was like, ew, they put cheese whiz on this. Like, I don't know if I even want the cheese. I guess it's, it's an acquired taste, but I used but to eat it. like it? I mean, I used to eat it when I was little, but now, yeah, I haven't had when cheese You had whiz. That, that Philly cheesesteak with the cheese whiz. Did you like it? I didn't have it with the cheese whiz. I was oh, just you like, told him you like, opted, yeah, I, I think I, I think not to have it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You should have, you should have just, I mean, now I don't, it's hard for me to think back then that even then I would turn down. I remember going I camping food. with my family back in the day, you know, again, I'm old, I'm 51. And, uh, when we would go camping, uh, you know, it would be peanut butter, crackers, cheese whiz, you know, yeah. that's kind of like our snack foods that we would have. Yeah on hand while we were and we'd have sardines we would have oysters you know in the can yep you see those in the store my mom yep. we used to have those too oh yeah we used to just eat the snot out of those when we go camping that was just like ah uh, so that brings back memories to me i guess maybe that's why i like it well i'm sure we don't necessarily like the taste but you know it just brings back those memories oh yeah there's definitely some stuff that i don't really love it but i like to eat it because of that like it brings back memories nostalgia yeah know? it's kind of weird i was thinking about that the other day that i'm like i don't think i like it as like i don't love it now but it's still i eat it because it just kind of brings me back to you like, and the randy place. the randy newman music yeah exactly right <laughs> this whole brawl then ended with you know they're punching each other in the stomach then the girl starts chasing the victim around the yard with a taser and oh, I have no idea. Anyway, she was arrested, charged with simple battery and aggravated assault. But well, it uh, probably was it stemmed from something other than the cheese whiz. There was probably right. some other she slept with, uh, you know, her husband or, you hmm. know, something like that. Something deep seated that you never know. I don't know. I mean, hangry is real. Hangry is real. You so you really never know. I mean, if you like something, you know, especially a food and they're eating it all and stuff. I mean, you never know. You never know. Who knows? Have you seen that viral video that's going around of the the boyfriend that was trying to get into the house and the yes the dad yeah so it's the ex boyfriend and he apparently they broke up he broke well I don't know the guy and the girl and they were like teenagers yeah or young adults maybe they were in their early twenties who knows but they broke up I thought it was like even a year year and a half ago and. The guy was trying to break into the house. The dad was home and the guy ended up shooting him. It was with a shotgun, right? No, it was a pistol. Oh, okay. was a pistol. But he shot him multiple yeah. times and the whole thing was caught on the ring camera and it was pretty yeah. freaking, ugh. it was a little hard to watch. But it, it, it really was. But the dude was trying to break, break mm -hmm. into the house. Yeah. And again, all you see on the, the camera is him walking up and, trying to get into the house and then the dad coming out and shooting him. Yeah. As he's trying to break in the front door, I guess he opens the door and 
but he, you could hear him in the back and say, Hey, I've got a gun. I've got a gun. You need to leave. You need yeah. to leave. I've got a gun. And who knows, you know, hormones, teenage hormones, you don't. You don't <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, the, the dude, uh, shot him. He was unarmed from what I could tell the, mm-hmm. the teenager. So, I mean, I just, I don't think that was a justifiable shooting. I know. So uh, I was actually at classic fire. I don't know the history, you know, this, this well, kid may so, have been violent. So, I mean, I don't, apparently maybe. it was justified and the shooter, the dad is not being held accountable. But when I saw this video, I was actually in North Carolina with classic firearms and stag arms. And I was just like, I don't know. Cause at first I didn't hear the, the dad say, you know, I have a gun, you need to leave or whatever. You can hear it barely in the. In yeah. The so I didn't hear that at first. So I was like, this is debatable because even though the guy's breaking in, I know here in Colorado, even if somebody breaks into your house, whether, you know, they break in an entry or they just walk through the front door before you can shoot somebody, you have to have reason to believe that they have committed or plan to commit a crime it definitely depends on what state you're in, but here in Colorado, just seeing that video and not hearing any of, you know, the fact that the the dad was like, Hey, I have a gun, you know, don't come any closer or whatever. Sure. That was a warning. So it was a little bit more justified in self-defense. You, you but, know, I'm not talking more about legal. I'm sure legally, you know, again, it depends on what state you are and whatnot, but morally, he, you know, morally, I feel bad that he took so many shots if we're being honest. Well, the fact that he took any shots, you know, I feel bad about. Yeah. But, but again, but you don't it's know. like the media. It's like the, exactly. It's like the media. You only see what they want you to see mm-hmm. their narrative. And so we don't, don't know, know the, the history. Story. I can't make a, I can't make a judgment based yeah. on that. Yeah. But I can, I can run through scenarios in my mind and what makes sense to me in my mind. I wasn't in that situation. So I can't say that it was justified or it wasn't justified. Yeah. I agree, but it was definitely, but I, I, I mean, think it's, it's sad. I wish it, wish it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Obviously. Mm-hmm. But teenagers but, just yeah. do stupid things and we just don't think, I mean, I've done stupid things when I was young. Oh my God. I can remember, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be here. I shouldn't be 51. I know <laughs> I should be maybe, maybe 20. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's funny yesterday, one of my friends, cause I am moving at the end of this month and I'm at this stage. So in Tennessee, are you? Gosh, no. I would even have more gray hairs. I'm just moving down the, well, not down the street. I'm moving like 30 minutes from my house and it's still stressful. But one of my friends, he knows a bunch of movers in Colorado. So he put me in touch with somebody and the guy came over yesterday to like look to see all the stuff that I have to move. And it turns out I know him and I've known him from like, I don't know, probably 13, 14 years ago. And I didn't recognize his name. And I, maybe, I, I mean, back then, I guess I didn't know his last name because it's not like I went to school with him or anything, but it was kind of funny that I know the guy, he ended up giving me a great deal. And then I think back like, man, things have changed so much from like 14, 15 years ago when I knew him and used to hang out with him and mm-hmm. we used to like get in trouble all the time. And now I'm like some respectable gun owner who has like a career in yeah. the gun industry. <laughs> that's And that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, back in those days, I shouldn't have lived past 20. Yeah. I, I should have been dead long before I was 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, then many times so, after 20, I should be dead. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. But yeah. But I just keep pushing along. I keep pushing along. Well, guys, um, on that note, it's time to wrap up. There's no iTunes what? reviews. Yeah, I know. It's been fun. It's been fun, but I got to go back to packing up my house. I need to have everything out of here by like the 20th. Maybe you get your editor to come help you do that too. Uh, 
Maybe, but he's actually in another state. You need to hook me up with your editor. We'll see if he's looking for another job, but he already has a full-time job as it is. And oh, it's not know. this. <laughs> not you. Huh? <laughs> it should be, though. <laughs> I was say, it's you. It's just you. It is. Well, it's um, been a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. It's yep. been awesome. Of been course. Fun. Of course. So hold on. Let me finish up the rest of my spiel. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, if you guys want to support the show, consider becoming a Patreon. You can do that by going to gunfunny.com. Click on the support the show link. Blown deadline. He's giving away a $300 gift certificate each month to a lucky Patreon. There's that little bonus. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Lefty, <laughs> thank you Did so you just much. say Iraq Veteran was one of your Patreons? Yeah. <laughs> Look at you go. I know. I've known those guys since we started this. They don't Patreon me. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, I don't know. Come on, Eric. What's up, son? <laughs> and you're like, you're like, I go to their shoot all the time. That's the one thing that I haven't done. I was going to bring this up because when you mentioned that, you know, their shoots coming up and I'm like, man, every year I'm like, oh, I'll go next year. I was, I've been to everyone. I was at their inaugural one and I've been to everyone except one. I need to go because so, I've heard it's a blast and a lot of good people go and Oh yeah. You That's know, the only reason of- I go is just to see everybody and hang out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh yeah, they are a patron. They've been a patron now for a while, for quite a few years now. So it's greatly appreciated. Nice. But if uh anybody wants to go and support you again, they can find you. All they have to do is just Google talking lead, correct? Just Google talking lead. Uh, it's at talking lead on the the meads. And uh, we would appreciate your subscriptions, your participation. We do a lot of giveaways on the show. Um, nice. We give away guns and gear. And see, the first year we did the AK corner, we gave away 12 AK-47s. Dang. That's We're impressive. actually giving one away right now. When's this going to air? This is going to air uh, this Monday. So Monday. What is that? The so, 12th? Yeah, the 12th. Yeah, so it'll be too late for them to get in on this, but we're giving away a Century Arms BFT-47 on the next AK-40, the AK corner. Oh, nice. Um, I gave one of those away on my show already. Yeah. Yeah, but that is cool. That's another- Have you given away 12? I have not, no. So that's impressive. I I guess I got to talk to the guys over there and be like, what's going on, guys? Yeah. But, well, it wasn't them that we did the the first year was Pioneer Arms. Okay. Uh, we had Pioneer Arms on, but yeah, we've given away hundreds of guns over the ten years, uh, hundreds cool. and hundreds of guns and and stuff. But yeah, you go. We've got uh, like like Ava. We've got our sponsors. We've got all kinds of discount codes. You can listen to the uh, the podcast to get all those. But the more you participate with our podcast, that's how you get entered to win stuff. Very cool. So, all right. Awesome. Listen, well, participate win. Well, I appreciate your time and coming on the show. And like I said, guys, if you want to go support Lefty Talking Lead, head on you over know there. You know you do. And you know uh, you do. Yeah. And then on that note, I will see you guys next week. We need to have you on the, the show sometime. We yeah. Just on. let me know. Just anytime after this month when after I move into my new house, my life isn't so hectic. No, oh, I got you. And I'm not yeah. like hanging by, you know, I mean, honestly, I'm like, yeah. Well, we got hunting <laughs> season coming up, so we're going to be doing a lot of, I'm, I'm going to crossbow hunt for the first time. 
Oh, cool. Uh, and I'm going to do a, a segment on, uh, on that. So that's coming up. Very cool. All right. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, I will see you next week and thanks again, Marty. I appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.